Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. We're recording during Sunday Night Football. The Bengals moving the ball at will 14-7 in the second quarter uh, as I'm speaking now. Today, we're going to recap the Sunday games. We'll look at Week 10 openers and then talk uh, a little Chargers Jets to close. But Drew, what was your big takeaway from the Sunday slate? I mean, we finally had a game of extreme consequence with an unbelievable ending, uh, and it went against me. Uh, so I'm not feeling like super, <laughs> if we're being honest. I've had, and, and like, I, I'm saying this fully, fully acknowledging that the oblong ball has bounced my way for almost the entire last two months. I'm hoping that this isn't just a ch- calendar change from October to November. All of a sudden, I'm going to be at the uh, on the losing end of some hellacious beats here. But I can't believe the Cowboys lost that game, Jay. I can't believe they lost. Uh, they had. I can't believe they didn't get a shot in the end zone with the ball at first and s- five on the six yard line. There was 24 seconds left in the game, Jay. We didn't even get a chance to throw it into the end zone outside of the one kind of broken play where. I don't know if you really want to kind of really truly skewer the Cowboys for trying to go for that um, as opposed to just clocking it there and take having two shots at the end zone after the Dak sack. But um, it's that was that was absolutely wild because we, you know, when we when we were handicapping this week, right, we talked about how there were a bunch of really high leverage games, some really high leverage games in the MVP market. And we talked about how, oh, well, Tua versus Pat Mahomes, this is a winner is going to be your MVP favorite going away after this game, right? Well, I really feel like if Dak Prescott scores a touchdown at the end of that game and beats the Eagles, we're, that's how we're leading the show. Like, is Dak the MVP kind of stuff? And instead, it's literally... How does he take that sack? What happened there? What? Why is this team not more well coached? Like McCarthy bears a ton of the blame, obviously, and and just in general, 
you know, the, it was it was a coin flippy game if you break it down from some of the advanced numbers. Um, but boy, oh boy, were the opportunities there for the Cowboys and the fact that they didn't capitalize them hurts badly. Yeah, I think Dak, uh, who has played pretty much his past three games, he's played at the level of the best quarterback in the NFL, basically, yeah. uh, against, you know, not terrible defenses in the Chargers, the Rams, uh, and the Eagles. But it feels like with Dak, all of his great performances, they always come with an uncomfortable caveat, which is, uh, you know, in the Chargers game, it was that he missed Pollard on the touchdown at the end. In this one, it's that, he kind of inexplicably steps out of bounds on the two point when there was no real need to, and it feels like that's something he shouldn't have done. Oh man, uh, that, that was, was that was super key because then, yeah, you just can't take the sack. You've got four chances at the end zone. I'm not sure what the live money line was at that point, but the the Cowboys had to be favorite at that point when you have oh, yeah. four chances at the end zone, and Philly really seemed uh, just in complete disarray. Uh, so yeah. that was. Yeah, for me that was a, a very very frustrating game as well. There were two two uh, well for, for myself personally, I think for the NFL there were two giant games uh, in the morning and afternoon slate, and that was Chiefs Dolphins and Cowboys Eagles. I needed the Chiefs and the Cowboys went one and one, uh, and yeah. so I'll take it kind of. But it was very uh, it was strange. I mean, I came out of that game thinking that the Eagles are probably a slightly better team than Dallas, but at the same time. You saw the weaknesses of the Eagles secondary. And I think that – so we get that awesome game. And then the next time we see the Eagles will be after their bye when they go into Kansas City. Right. Uh, and that is going to be – that. that is the game of the season to this point because that Eagles secondary is very vulnerable in Mahomes. Yes. The Chiefs – I mean, it's weird to say that playing the Eagles is going to be a, a get-right opportunity <laughs> for the Chiefs offense. But in a way, I think it might be because Dak did whatever he wanted – uh, that secondary has struggled all season. Uh, and Mahomes, let's, well, let's jump to Miami, Kansas City, because that was the other big one. And the Chiefs dropped 21 nothing. Money line is almost turned off uh, because they're so short. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, uh, it becomes a game. And it becomes a game in a big way where Tua basically misses the streaking touchdown on the final drive, which would have yeah. tied it up. And then the fumbled snap uh, in a very kind of Miami fashion. But what did you come out of that game thinking about those two teams? Yeah, I mean, it's easier to kind of point to the high leverage Miami failures and forget about some of the really high leverage Kansas City could have put that game away a lot earlier. <laughs> I like, I think that was the right result. I'm not, uh, you know, saying that that was a lucky win, but boy, oh boy, was that decision on a razor's edge. Um, and yeah, the Chiefs defense stepped up late. Um, <clears throat> I will say, though, while crediting the Chiefs defense, what in the world are you doing, Chris Jones? What are you thinking? Like, uh, uh, like realistically, like the, the idea of conceding, effectively conceding four points for uh, a, a grudge. I can't, I can't even imagine what uh, whatever the uh, opposing, you know, the offensive lineman must have said to warrant that type of reaction. But. Just absolute nonsense from Chris Jones. You're a professional. What what are you doing? Um, and it, it but it, it's similarly like very very close call with Mahomes on the deep pass on a third down play to um, uh, Valdez Scantling. If he connects there, 
you know, game's over. Um, a bunch of uh, kind of why are we calling these second and 10 runs from Matt Nagy and company that were a little concerning. Um, and I'm like, if if I'm going to be critical of the Chiefs, I think it kind of has to start with Nagy and some of his lack of adjustments and a little bit of clunkiness in second halves of these games. Uh, I don't know if you're paying attention to this, but the Chiefs are literally a dead nut second half under this season because not just because their defense happens to step up, but because their offense cannot do squat once the other team is adjusted to whatever their plan A is. Um, and so I think even though the Chiefs get a huge, huge win, go into their bye now, and ultimately, like, yeah, they're probably going to get the one seed based on this particular outcome. Uh, it is still, like, a little bit in the back of my head, some warning signs about the way this team is schemed. Uh, and if they're not playing with the lead, I, you know, I'm not 100% sure I feel as good about uh, them coming back from a second half deficit. So um, there are some other pretty amazing uh, AFC teams that have offenses that uh, are able to literally have a little bit of an off day and then still score 37 points against the Seahawks. That might be a problem when you run into them in the playoffs. So it's it's uh, it's an interesting landscape in the AFC. And uh, I think the Chiefs are still the team to beat and they still should be number one power rated team um, because Pat Mahomes is their quarterback and Travis Kelsey is their tight end and Andy Reid is their head coach. But, uh, you know, there are still some warning signs there. Do you get any of that? Yeah, I think so. It just seems very uneven on offense, and they seem just overly conservative for a team that has Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Just the amount of running the ball in the second half was just agonizing as someone who uh, very much wanted the Chiefs to win. I do think ultimately when you step back, like they have a top five defense in Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, so they're probably yeah. just the best team in football just on the basis <laughs> of that. Yeah, and I have more faith in them getting their offense right because they have Patrick Mahomes uh, as opposed to you know the, the flaws that other contenders have. Ultimately, I have more faith in Kansas City's offense than Baltimore's offense, and that's why I think they're still separated a little bit, but the Ravens... Yeah. Pretty scary, uh, well, too. And let me ask you a specific question, though. Um, if the Chiefs are doing it a different way with a top five defense this year, does that make Mahomes MVP vulnerable in any way? I mean, a little bit. I mean, he has to start playing better if he's going to win, but I would project that he would start playing better because I think that he's going to go down as the greatest quarterback of all time. So I'm yeah. expecting... So uh, regresses to, to his average, he'll still win it, you think? Yeah, and I think the key... Yeah is there is that Mahomes on a one seed is such an incredible default MVP winning case because he's yeah, going right. to have, I think, the requisite stats. And the key for today was not so much about, I guess, Mahomes's individual MVP rating going up. It was more just about killing off Tua's case. And I think mm -hmm. he's largely done that because now, one, uh, he goes ahead of him in the standings. He has the tie break over Tua. So Tua would have to jump two games over him. I just find it so hard to believe that Tua Tagovailoa on a lower seed, having lost the head-to-head -head matchup, is actually going to beat Patrick Mahomes for MVP. Yeah. So, look, it's not just the head-to-head matchup for MVP between those two, but it's a pretty weak MVP field. Uh, and now having put Tua at a real deficit, I mean, it's, to me it's Mahomes, Lamar, Hertz's stats still aren't great, and I think that he is going to get eaten up by the schedule that's upcoming. Uh, I think Joe Burrow is too far back, even with the clinic that he's putting on as we speak, and we'll see. If Josh Allen wins 
this game, uh, then he gets into the discussion too. But for now, I think Mahomes is tier one by himself because he's got the team success element. Uh, he's in the box seat there, and I think that he's going to get better as the season okay. goes on. Okay, yeah, because it wasn't an especially good day for him in terms of stacking up total EPA, but he did avoid the turnovers. And, yep. you know, I think as if he's getting high-profile wins and he is not counting picks, that's a good thing for him because that's really the only thing that the kind of conventional voting block is going to hold against him, I think, is if he gets into double-digit picks and there's another viable candidate with five, six, seven picks, then all of a sudden it's a little bit of a tougher case. The thing is, there is no candidate, though, because Hertz has got sure. eight picks. Lamar is Lamar's got fumbled ninety times this season. It's unbelievable the amount of times that Lamar Jackson. Yeah, nobody counts. Out. Nobody, nobody even knows where to find that stat, though, Jay. I know. I'm not joking well, with you. I'm not joking. Like, actually, worse because you, when you throw an interception, it's usually further down the field than when you get strip sacked. <laughs> yeah, actually, you're worse. right. And it does. I mean, it informs Lamar's. EPA and his QBR with the sacks and everything. So I think it does hurt him, but it doesn't, it's not as glaring to people, certainly, as interceptions. And it does play into the notion that, you know, he's doing it all himself type of thing, which I don't think he really is. I think Lamar's got decent weapons and a great line. Uh, He's probably got better weapons than Mahomes at this point. Uh, So, yeah, we'll see. I think that those are your top two at the moment, Mahomes and Lamar. And to your earlier point, Whoever gets the one seat in the AFC is certainly uh, in the box seat. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about all you know other awards during the week. But one other thing, sneaky thing, is that Doug Peterson, he really, his coach of the year case, which was you know not great to begin with, but mm-hmm. takes a real hit from Kansas City winning that game because Kansas City now go a, ga- a win in front of them and have the tiebreak. And I didn't see any way Peterson was winning without the one seat. So I think yeah. you know, no real interest at his price in any case, but mm-hmm. certainly he is in trouble as well. What uh, happens to McDaniel's case after this? Uh, not, in a, not in a good place. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought he only loses every big game that he plays. Uh, I think McDaniel has fallen firmly into uh, into the second, the bottom of the yeah. second tier, really, for Coach of the yeah. Year. But, uh, yeah, I think Dan Campbell's the rightful rightful favorite there. And, over uh, Antonio Pierce? Yeah, over Antonio Pierce. <laughs> I got sucked into the Jeff Saturday Coach of the Year bandwagon <laughs> at uh, 500 to 1 last year. I'll, be one his I'll go back to the well. Probably a bit more qualified to be fair. All right, let's uh, jump to week 10 openers. But before we do, a reminder that all eyes will be on East Rutherford Sunday night. You don't want to miss a matchup between Stars, Source Gardner, and Devontae Adams as Antonio Pierce's Raiders travel east to face the Jets. Coverage starts at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun this season. Kings Island is now open weekends. I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner, too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. 
All right, week 10, teams on by Chiefs and Eagles, uh, which is actually a pretty big win for the Chiefs that they get to come back and play mm-hmm. the Eagles, having, not having to uh, deal with the jet lag as much coming back mm-hmm. from Frankfurt. And then the Rams and Dolphins are also on by. Uh, did any of these openers leap out to you? Well, the uh, I will say uh, I was critical of the NFL not flexing this game out on Sunday night. Uh, I was like, really, you're going to make us watch this. But this game has juice <laughs> all of a sudden. I mean, the way the Raiders played today, I, I mean, I guess they beat the ever loving uh, stuffing out of Tommy DeVito. And, you know, the, everyone should who would play who plays professional football should be able to equip themselves similarly. Um, but the Raiders all of a sudden are not out of the mix and the Jets are a team that plays hard. So that that's going to be a, a relatively interesting game um, of the openers. Uh, the one that I was actually the most intrigued to see. Um, you know, what we were going to get in terms of an open was uh, Texas, I mean, yeah, excuse me, uh, Browns Ravens. Um, we talked about it last week, uh, with how did how was Deshaun Watson going to look? Like, I was really, really hopeful that he was going to play today so we could get some tape on him, so we knew what we were getting, uh, to do a fair handicap for Ravens, um, Browns, which is going to matter for you know, a lot of equity in the one seed race in the AFC for the Browns chase chances to go to the playoffs. Um, and you know, the, the Browns today held the, um, uh, the Cardinals to 1.2 yards per play. Jay, <laughs> that, that is not good. And I actually am kind of surprised and confused about what is going on in Arizona. Um, but we'll kind of focus on the Brown side of things a little bit here. It's a defense that was not really able to hold their own against the Ravens last time they played each other. And yes, the Ravens had a lot of short fields. And yes, uh, DTR was 100% un, you know, unable to uh, kind of get going, get started. Um, but I think uh, the fact that this opened on the low side of a touchdown is really interesting because the Ravens are playing just phenomenal phenomenal defense right now and i don't really see what the browns are doing offensively that is all that special or interesting or different or can realistically challenge this ravens defense do you feel similarly i do yeah there's been basically no sign for the browns offense outside of what the sean watson did against the titans which is almost two months ago at this point and Before that, their better offensive performances had come with the aid of Nick Chubb, who uh, Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford are not. So, yeah, I would expect that this is going to trend up towards a touchdown. The only thing is that the Cleveland defense is a monster, and it just goes to show how, uh, I think, vulnerable the market is on some of these awards that, like, Micah Parsons firms today more than Miles Garrett because he had half a sack more. Miles Garrett's team shut out the opposition and they won. Uh, And Garrett had a sack and a fumble recovery and the team was completely dominant, admittedly, against Clayton Toon. Garrett should be your favorite there. But, uh, no, I agree. Uh, I think that line definitely has a lot more scope to go closer to seven than closer to five. Uh, The only one that leapt out to me is the Saints are three-point favorites in Minnesota. Uh, I was, I mean, Josh Dobbs, what a roller coaster that game was. Just completely ridiculous. Some of his scrambles uh, to just evade sacks that feel like in real time they're minus 1,000 to be completed, then he gets out of it and then turns a 10 yard crippling loss into a 20 yard gain. 
I would think that with a week of actually knowing the plays, that their offense is going to look better. Uh, and I think they, and if they get Christian Darasaw back, there's some scope that Justin Jefferson comes back as well. Uh, I would think that three is the line if there's no Darasaw and no Jefferson, but there is some scope that you get both of those guys who are the team's two best players uh, yeah, who are, right. you know, have a chance to return this season. So uh, that was the other one that okay. left out to me. What do you think? I, about I, don't, I, I, I was completely, completely blindsided by Darasaw not playing. I missed that entirely. Like, uh, and he matters a ton. And I bet some Vikings. And when Darisaw uh, was out, I was like, "Oh gosh, I guess I'm drawn dead." And then Jaron Hall goes down at the goal line. You're like, "Well, I'm definitely drawing dead now." And then Cam Akers is out there doing quarterback stuff. And you're like, "What is happening here?" And then he goes down. Like, like, ball away, Cam Akers. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. a weird, weird, weird game. And the Vikings are a weird team. But Josh Dobbs he plays hard, certainly. Um, the New Orleans was uh, a little, another little bit of a heartbreaker for me today. I don't know how they didn't cover seven and a half. They almost honest. lost. <laughs> they almost lose. lost, but at the oh. same time, like if the guy, if you know, if their kicker makes a chip shatter in the fourth quarter, they win by ten. And yeah. if they get stoned, uh, you know, on their final drive, they kick a field goal and win by ten. So the fact that they only won by seven was pretty circumstantial. But I will say, the first half of that game, oh my goodness gracious, the New Orleans Saints defense made. Tyson Badgett looked like prime Michael Vick. <laughs> like I was like, what, what is happening? Badgett looked like he was going to be the rushing leader for the Sunday at one point because he was just, uh, you know, running amok there. And it was like, and then, and then complimenting that with just elite red zone uh, targets to Cole Komet. I was like, man, this uh, Bears, Bears team is uh, very, very live. And I, I hang a lot more of that on New Orleans, just kind of being a little bit lackadaisical and under, under, kind of underappreciating their opponent. I think now on the road, New Orleans is the right side here. And it, but your your points are fair where if Darisaw comes back and if you know if Justin Jefferson is live and presumably if Josh Dobbs learns the names of his teammates, uh this is gonna be a competitive game because the Vikings are really well coached. Kevin O'Connell quietly doing a really, really nice job this year. Yeah. Um, yep. So you, I, I would think that that probably stays under three and you can basically take your shot either way, whatever you feel like, all week. Yep. No, that makes sense. The only other one that leapt out, uh, the Lions being one and a half point favorites at the Chargers. And there's some mm. rest stuff involved there with the Lions. We'll be coming off by and the Chargers will have the short week, but they at least have the short week going home. Uh, I'm not convinced the Lions are better than the Chargers full stop, or at least materially so. And I think uh, we'll get to our Monday night preview in a second, but uh, I don't I don't think that these teams are too far apart in terms of their rating. But what do you think? Yeah. No, that that, that that's a hundred percent fair. And I, I have in the back of my head been kind of I mean the market is telling you this that the Chargers were are by they're a buy right now. Like that's what everybody's saying. So um yeah kind of intrigued by that spot for sure. But uh, health and availability after the Monday Night Football game is going to be something we should look at this week. Um, can I get your opinion on the fact that Green Bay was a no-doubt winner cover against the Brett Rippon and the helpless Rams today? Um, and if you kind of watched any of that game, and I don't, you're a sick person if you did, and <laughs> if you're, you're a sick person if you did, the procedural kind of sloppiness that Green Bay had in that game was so off-putting 
and just really uninspiring. And so the fact that they opened as three-point dogs and have been getting bet against uh, with Pittsburgh, the market wants Pittsburgh, Jay. Can you believe we're here? We are in the year. We are in this year where Pittsburgh had five wins is maybe one of the worst five win teams of all time in the NFL. And the market wants them against Green Bay. That is entirely telling you what people thought about Green Bay and that performance today. And I agree. (laughs) That was awful. Green Bay probably could realistically go you know, relatively quickly down in terms of rating as you look at their schedule. Cause after Pittsburgh, they have like four games in a row against teams who are substantially better than them. Like they might lose their next five. Yeah. I can't have the Packers anymore. They like the Charlotte Hornets. There's this completely irrelevant, nothing <laughs> team at the moment. Uh, and I just, don't want to think about them. There's just nothing compelling about this team right now outside of Rashawn yeah. Gary and Jay Alexander and the hope that Christian Watson mm-hmm. gets back to last year's form. But yeah. I mean, Jordan Love was plus 0.24 EPA per play today, and that wasn't influenced by too much yak. Again, average depth of target below seven yards. Nothing super exciting or compelling about this team. One of the strangest matchups, this Packers team against that Steelers team, two teams that have... Uh, many more wins than, than they should combined, I would think. Yeah. All right. I will, I'll just tell you real quick, man. There was a point in the first half of that game where the Packers converted fourth down that, like, you're literally looking at Matt LaFleur and you're like, he better have the freaking chutzpah to go for this. Like, this is a gettable fourth down and you are playing a, a much inferior team. Like, go for it. And they went for it and they had an offensive offsides offensive offsides you know how rarely that's called and you see it, you're like oh man offensive offsides that's sloppy and so they march them back you know they convert the fourth down they march them back five yards and then they punt literally two drives later another fourth and one another very obvious must go situation they convert again another offensive offsides different <laughs> offensive linemen jay two offensive offsides wiped out fourth down conversions for the packers i don't think i've ever seen that i think you could comb the history of the nfl and not find another game where a team had two fourth down conversions wiped out by offensive offsides yeah that was the started two and oh uh and we're, <laughs> you know right there with Detroit david to win to win the division uh but anyway that's that's a game i will try and Avoid watching uh, too much of Packers-Steelers. Uh, be other good games on the card. All right, before we get to Chargers-Jets, a reminder that Bet the Edge isn't the only show every weekday during the NFL season. You can also check out the Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Barry, Connor Rogers, and myself. It is live on Peacock at noon Eastern or he airs at 4 p.m. and is available on our NFL on NBC Sports YouTube channel as well as wherever you listen to your podcasts. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Jets, Chargers, this has been steaming towards the Chargers basically since open cross three. Now it's three and a half. The total is 39 and a half. Uh, do you have a lean on the side of the total? I played some Chargers when we got the news that the uh, Jets absorbed another meaningful offensive line injury. Uh, and I think that's really where this comes down because <clears throat> the Jets have really, really been stuck in mud in terms of generating any kind of uh, rushing offense. Uh, and now that uh, you kind of add uh, a new center uh, to the uh, mix here, Joe Tipman, their second round uh, draft choice uh, uh, this year will be their starting center. Combine that with the fact that you have now Billy Turner at right guard, Lankin Tomlinson uh, at left guard. Mackay Becton is doing a fine job at left tackle, but otherwise the other four players here are minuses on your offensive line. Um, that spells trouble for being able to, to get anything going on the ground against a pretty decent um, Chargers run defense this year uh, and kind of puts the game entirely on the arm of Zach Wilson. No, thanks. Not interested. Uh, not expecting Zach Wilson to come and light the world on fire, despite the fact that he has been uh, a relative, I guess, you know, less uninspiring quarterback. And when it's all said and done among all of the choices that we've had this year so far, there's been worse. I, and, and so this is like damning with as much faith, faint praise as I possibly can do. Um, but uh, Zach Wilson, I think, will make some mistakes in this game. Um, Gary Wilson has a nice matchup against, uh, you know, a secondary that definitely can't cover him. But uh, ultimately, I think uh, Justin Herbert continues to get this team right. And I think the Chargers kind of continue to, uh, you know, kind of put themselves back in the discussion for a wild card slot in an AFC that is very, very competitive. Um, Herbert, um, in general, Against this Jets pass defense is going to be fun to see. Uh, his, you know, every, a lot was made this preseason of we're going to attack down the field more. It's going to be a more aggressive offense. You know, oh, uh, well, you know, now your best receivers, Palmer and Mike Williams, who can create separation down the field, are not available. So this is turning back into the Chargers offense of last year, where it's a lot of short stuff, a lot of Austin Eckler involved in the passing game. Uh, and it's going to make for a pretty ugly game. I think that the market moves are both correct, right? The moving the Chargers past three was correct because the injuries to the offensive line for the uh, Jets. And I think the uh, total coming down from 42 and a half to 39 and a half, 40 is correct. Uh, and if I had to make plays in this game, I'm fine with laying the points with the Chargers and the expectation that they can win an ugly one like 20 to 13 or something like that. Um, but I would expect that this is a pretty, uh, a pretty, um, you know, uncompelling contest because as bad as the Jets' offense has been this year, their defense has been amazing. Um, they play hard. They have an incredibly talented deep off, you know, deep line. Uh, and they may be able to get ones uh, wins against this uh, Chargers offensive line in pass, you know, in, in the uh, in the pass rush. So 
anytime we get into third and long, I think it's probably going to be a punt for both teams. Uh, and I think this could be, uh, you know, kind of team with the ball last wins it when it's all said and done. But uh, if the Chargers get back to a flat three, I would expect that that gets bet. Yeah, I agree. I think the Chargers are the side here. I think that lost in the mania of the win over the Giants is that Zach Wilson was just just unbearable in that game. Yeah. Uh, back to full blown uh, Zach Wilson going full Zach Wilson uh, in all the bad ways possible, and so and that just has a ripple effect onto everything in the offense when they don't have an offensive line either. Like Brees Hall, who there's a chance Brees Hall is the best running back in the NFL. We'll just never we won't know until he gets a real quarterback because there's just no room for him to operate. He still can take. You know, a screen pass to the house from fifty yards, like he did against the Giants, because that's um, that's his capability. But he's just running into brick walls and loaded boxes. Uh, I think if you're looking for a prop angle to bet this game, I think the thing with the Jets is that their run defense is stellar. Pass defense is still good too, but teams have had more success throwing the ball on the Jets than running it. Uh, and I think that ties into Herbert going over on his passing prop, which is below 250 yards when there's no weather uh, in New York. There's no wind, sorry, in East Rutherford, uh, no wind uh, on Monday night. So I think with that, even with Josh Palmer being out, I think Keenan Allen being there and the, the other players are going to have to fill him. It's going to be the Quinton Johnston show, but Austin yeah. Eckler contributes a lot in the passing game as well. So I think that the Jets will bottle up the Chargers run game and uh, mm-hmm. it'll be Justin Herbert through the air. And then on the other side, I agree. I think that the Chargers who have had a terrible run defense, what feels like a decade, now have a really good run defense and a vulnerable secondary. Well, I'm not sure a vulnerable secondary matters against Zach Wilson. Sure. Because Zach Wilson orbits uh, his own son in terms of... <laughs> I don't think it really matters what kind of defense that he plays. You'd rather play a weak defense than a better defense, I guess, but I'm not entirely sure it matters because Zach Wilson is just going to decide if he's going to Zach Wilson it up or he's going to you know, look like the guy did uh, against the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Yeah. So. I pulled up this. I pulled up the scatter plot just because I was curious where Wilson is, and he's below Bryce Young somehow in EPA per play. And I was, I, I assume that means they haven't updated Bryce Young's performance from today <laughs> because that's crazy. How could you be? How could Bryce Young be outperforming you in EPA per play? That yeah, is well. So I, I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> okay. I've this guy's okay. junk, and I think Bryce Young is better. And I've Daniel Jones is beating him in EPA per play. How is that yeah, possible? I know. How is this Bryce possible? Had a couple of good games. Well, a couple of okay games. Zach Wilson, there's there's really uh, nothing there. Even his key pass against the Giants was on the throne. Uh, just had yeah. a pass interference call on it. So yeah. I don't think that uh, Zach Wilson, with no weather, is uh, is going to be able to keep up. With Justin Herbert, even if he's got the better defense. So uh, charges for me uh, on that side. All right, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks, everyone, for watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. If you're listening to us in podcast form, please rate and subscribe. And a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsig, we'll see you tomorrow.
Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 